What you're hearing there is a little tiny sampling of what it feels like to be inside the Polish Army Stadium in Warsaw, Poland, when Legia Warsaw, which is one of that country's top or most successful teams, is in action. The story of how we came to find our guest today is a circuitous one, so if you'll bear with me, I'll try to tell it in as a short and concise way as possible. In the future um, episodes, we're going to be talking a bit about uh, QPR NYC. This is a fan group of which I am a part. Um, based in New York City, uh, all supporters of a club called Queens Park Rangers, who if you're a fan of the Premier League, that may ring a bell. They've been in the Premier League uh, for two or three seasons in the last decade. Currently, they're playing in England's second division, also known as the Championship. Uh, we meet up on Saturdays at a, a bar um, in Midtown Manhattan, right across the street from the Empire State Building called Legends, and watch games, and they're all streamed online these days. And when we're not uh, together on Saturdays, we are in a group Facebook chat, which is ongoing and has been ongoing for probably two and a half or three years at this point. My wife will tell you, and I can't even argue with her, that I talk to them more than I talk to her. Uh, I am on there um, pretty much every day um, in some form or another. We talk, of course, about QPR, but we also talk about politics. We talk about food. And we talk about uh, one thing that a lot of um, soccer fans are interested in, which is kit. In other words, uh, foot, soccer uniforms. We'll pass photos back and forth of kits that we found here or there that we think are ugly or uh, really, really attractive. And um, that's how we came. I came to find the guest tonight. There is a website in, um, called classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Uh, it's an ing, obviously based in England, and it's a company that basically sells football shirts secondhand. They've got thousands and thousands of shirts from all over the world. Uh, and one of the sections in there, uh, and we're frequently on our group chat, uh, we'll find something on there and and uh, post a link to it, and then we'll discuss w whether it's you know worth buying or whether we like it or not. And one night uh, we were going back and forth, and there's a section on the website called um, for match worn shirts so you can buy uh shirts that were actually worn in games some of them are uh, 1500 or 2000 dollars obviously if it's a you know a barcelona short shirt that was worn in an actual game um and one night as a on a dare uh, we were joking around and i i said that i would go to classic football shirts website and i would uh search in the match worn section and I would purchase that night, assuming it wasn't uh, like over $100, I would purchase the least expensive game-worn shirt that they had available uh, on the website. So I went, and it was a not actually from a professional soccer match. It was a game-worn shirt from a charity game played in Poland in 2003 by a group of actors and artists who sort of get together and play charity football matches and raise money for whatever charity that is they're interested in. And I ordered, uh, as since I promised to do so, I ordered the, the match shirt. It was worn by a guy, an actor of, uh, of note in Poland named Andre Niemann. And I ordered it, and it arrived. It's a, a red shirt with sort of a checkerboard laid over the top of it. It's got some cool Polish writing on the front and the back. 
I, I don't wear it very often, but I thought it was kind of a random fun thing. So it's hanging here in the grotto uh, alongside all my other soccer shirts. And I really didn't think about it much after that until I came up with the idea of doing this podcast and came up with the idea of interviewing people born in 1974. I've been talking to them about their sports fandom. And it turns out that Andre Neyman was born in 1974. And so on a whim, a lark, I googled Andre Neyman contact, found an agent located in Warsaw, sent them an email. And about two days later, I was talking to Andre himself as part of uh, this interview. Andre um, was born in a town called Wojciechowicz, uh, which is about a has about 100,000 people. It's in central Poland. And in the 90s, he um, was on a TV show, and I'm going to butcher all of these names, so please, uh, but I guess most people aren't Polish here, so they won't know that I'm butchering it. A series called Zwotopolesti, which was like, a, I think, just sort of like a, a long-running um, family drama, not unlike, if you're English, maybe like Coronation Street. I'm, I'm not sure the exact years it's been running, but a really, really long time. And he was a, a main character on that show for many years and uh, was a, a prominent celebrity in Poland. Uh, now he um, is acting and directing and producing and running a theater, uh, Teatro Quadrat, in, uh, in Warsaw. And um, that's what he's doing now. He's a huge fan of Legia Warsaw, which is the big uh, the team we mentioned earlier, which is sort of the dominant one of the dominant teams uh, in the Polish uh, top division. And um, he's he agreed to talk to me about um, about his fandom of Legia Warsaw and other ways that sports and sports fandom has impacted his life. Uh, it was he was really great to talk to, uh, very open and forthcoming. We talk about a lot of interesting things. We talk about the fact that he, um, the first thing we talk about actually before we even get into soccer is that he's an equestrian. Uh, late in his life, in his 20s, he started riding horses and actually won a sort of national championship for artists and actors as, a, uh, as an equestrian. Um, and after, and he, it turns out he did it mostly because he, he had a fear of horses and wanted to overcome that fear and ended up loving it and for many years owned a horse and competed in these events and actually won a, some sort of national championship for actors and, 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 um, and artists in Poland. And then we go on to talk about what I expected to talk to him about, which was Legia Warsaw, what it's like to be in the stadium. And I urge you, um, you know, that sound is nice, but you, you don't really, it's hard to really get a sense. Go to uh, Google and just, or sorry, to YouTube and you and uh, type in Legia Warsaw atmosphere and about the second or third um, video down will be a sort of a wide shot of a stand. Everybody's wearing white. Everybody's bouncing up and down. It's it's the sound is amazing, but the visual of it is amazing as well. And I would urge you to uh, to check that out. Quick reminder, social media. You can find me on both Instagram and Twitter at study of sport. I also have a website studyofsport.com. Here's my interview with Andre Neyman. Andre, thank you so much for being a good sport and doing this and joining me today. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks a lot, everybody. So um, the first thing I like to ask people to do is to talk about where they're from. And obviously for Americans, uh, if Amer we're not great at geography anyway, but if we know a Polish city, it's probably Warsaw or maybe Krakow. Um, you're from a place mm -hmm. in central Poland called uh, Wojciechowicz. Uh, what was what yeah. is that place like, and what was it like to grow up there? 
Well, actually, it's, it's a middle town. Like, uh, it's uh, about 100,000 people. Uh, it's next to Torun. Torun is pretty, uh, pretty popular in Europe because it's as beautiful as Krakow or, or Gdańsk. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, it was uh, actually pretty communist uh, town. So there are just uh, this uh, big uh, housing, like uh, 300 families in one building, and actually nothing to do there. This is why I emigrated to, to Warsaw 20 years ago, 25. And what, what, um, what role did sports play there growing up in your life um, as a kid? Yeah, there were no soccer team, which was really difficult to, to even imagine because uh, uh, this is our national sport. Uh, and uh, so I always supported uh, teams from Warsaw or from Lodz, which is uh, almost a, more than 100 kilometers away from my hometown. But I had to find some team to, to support anyway. And as for me, myself, I... Uh, I played the handball for for many years, like seven, eight years as a kid. Uh, there was a pretty pretty uh, good team in in, in Wrocław, especially for the youngsters. And uh, afterwards, some the karate kyokushin, and uh, yeah, and mostly that's it. After after coming after moving to Warsaw uh, during my uh, high school drama academy in Warsaw. I started uh, horse riding, horse jumping, and... Uh, horse riding? Yeah, and horse riding, yes, yes. Okay, were you in competitive? Did you well, do that was, competitively or just for fun? Well, and mostly for fun, but uh, yeah. I also uh, gained, I think, it was this, the, the, the silver medal in uh, Polish championships uh, for the, for the uh, artists. Uh, no, yeah, for, for for artists. So it was not, uh, you know, the championships uh, per se, but uh, but as uh, you among among all, all my friends and colleagues, uh, both both uh, actors, uh, I mean, directors, painters, singers, mm-hmm. I was the second best. One day, of course. And you did you? Now I'm uh, now. Yeah. Did, did did you grow up around horses, or is this something you were interested in before, or just once you got no, to Warsaw? No, not not at all. I I I don't remember seeing a horse before I I was twenty three. Uh, actually, I was pretty afraid afraid of those animals, and this is why I wanted to you know to to break my fears, uh, go, go go through them. I don't know how how you, how you say it, but uh, uh, confront them. The same I'm for. Yeah, confront them. Yeah, I spent every every uh, night, Sunday night, uh, in a in a stall. Uh, I was working uh, the stall. Am I am I saying right? Stall. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I I worked for, there for for half a year, just to you know to to confront my fears. Uh, with horses, and then uh, they didn't pay me because it was a volunteer thing. But uh, they, uh, well, they, they they paid me in in uh, horse riding lessons, which is so quite expensive. I, I, uh, that it's an expensive sport. Yes, it is. It is. I had a horse myself uh, for five years, so I can tell. 
but uh, yeah, but it's, but it's really fun. It's it's fun and it's uh, so opening and so comforting. Yeah, I, this is one one of the best things I uh, ever happened to me. This horse riding, but uh, this comforting, this confronting with uh, with the fears is, uh, as for me, is like for for instance, I'm a bit claustrophobic. Not not maybe not anymore, but I was pretty much claustrophobic, and this is why I started uh, diving, wow. scuba diving, pretty pretty deep. It was like 60 meters, which is 180 feet, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm, so it was pretty pretty deep. And uh, well, I actually I I cured myself from from the claustrophobia. So you you found that sport has been a good way for you to confront your your fears. Because scuba is a yeah, sport too, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It, it, it requires pretty good shape. And uh, the same with with team sports. I mean, they, I'm I'm quite sure they they help. You know, uh, how to say express your needs. Uh, against or with, uh, you know, the bunch of people, uh, which is, uh, I, I don't think the chess players can say that. Uh, so, so maybe it was the reason. I don't know. I don't know. I was too young to, to, to remember why I decided to, to play in the professional uh, youth team uh, in handball. I don't remember. Well, you mentioned that soccer is the national sport in Poland, <clears throat> and you were born. Oh, yes. we, we were both born in 1974. Everybody on this podcast was born in 1974, and that was a big year mm -hmm. for that was a big year for Polish. Uh, I'm going to call it soccer. It's we're we're talking to an American audience. So, uh, Poland went to the World Cup mm -hmm. that year in West Germany and finished third, and that was the sort of start of like a golden generation of uh, Polish soccer. Um, do you obviously you don't remember 1974? That was the year you were born. But do you remember mm -hmm. the, it, the impact of that golden generation on on soccer in Poland? Oh yes, definitely. Especially that uh, we were this close to to uh, to beat the Germans uh, in the semifinals. It was heavy rain. It wasn't actually uh, you know it wasn't a stadium anymore. It was a pool. So they they uh, they didn't run. They they just swam with the ball. Uh, it was really strange. So it was uh, uh, like roulette. We, yeah, the, the yeah. German, of course, they, they had the same conditions that we did. But uh, anyway, we we could have won with them then, and this is, and I'm quite sure we would have been uh, the world champions, which we never actually uh, done so far. But uh, when I was, you know, when I was a very very young person on. Mostly on uh, on the courtyard, somewhere uh, next to those living buildings, uh, we were just playing soccer all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, ten ten hours a day, and uh, it was like, uh, yeah, it was comparable to the to, to to slums in South America or somewhere in Africa because uh, there was nothing to do. We were not, of course, that poor. We were, well, it was a Soviet country, so. Yeah. It's a pretty pretty difficult even to explain, uh, but uh, but uh, we had nothing, but we had each other, and we just had uh, some two or three balls, uh, and we just tried to to, to 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 do what what our you know heroes did all the time. And uh, eight years after, in 1982, mm -hmm. we uh, succeeded also to 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 win the the bronze medal in in Spain. The championships in Spain. So, and this is what I really, 
uh, he was uh, the witness of of this big uh, big success of the Polish team. So, so this is even more reason why why I love this sport. Did you have a sense? Because um, so Poland um, made the transition from a communist country to a democracy in about 1989, 1990. Yeah. So you lived a lot of your early life under communism. Did you have a sense when you were playing soccer that it was being used in any way to by the government to indoctrinate you or make you feel a certain way? Well, actually, I, I no, I never, I, I never felt it. Uh, first, because all all the uh, the government use all the uh, successes they can to, to to show. Look, this is our you know the tribute or something like that. But uh, and the second reason uh, is that uh, we didn't feel living in in communist country. Mostly, for instance, my father. Uh, he passed away already, but he was uh, the uh, he was in the communist party. He he wasn't you know the the opposition. He wasn't in a solidarity, uh, pretty famous uh, uh, opponent party. But uh, he was so when we went for for instance for this first uh, uh, May parade, the workers' parade, uh, I, I felt I was you know in the right place. So uh, I. After the the 1981, uh, uh, after the world state, world war state in Poland, we started feeling that something's wrong, that it shouldn't be like that. And uh, in the late 80s, even before the the democratic changes, I went to to Vienna for three days. And I even remember having pictures in the store, in the department store, because I have, had, had never seen anything on the shelves in the stores. The shelves were always empty. So when I saw that, I asked my father, why, why, why don't we have like, like the, the Austrians? And he said, I can't tell you. <laughs> that was the only answer, actually. Yeah. So then I understood that uh, even he cannot, uh, you know, he, he he wasn't able to to explain why why the the, the Soviet or communist uh, um, system is better because it wasn't. Do you, did you feel after um, after communism fell, did it change? Did being a sports fan change at all? No, I I, I really I really feel that uh, the sports. And the, the political systems went uh, two different ways. I mean, two parallel uh, ways. But I don't remember, you know, uh, combining them in any ways, before and after. Uh, the only the only difference is that uh, uh, the 90s uh, were very very bad for sports because of the of the lack of uh, the permanent lack of money. Uh, Paradoxal, the paradoxal thing is uh, that during the 80s, the Communist Party wanted to put some money that that much they had, they had, but they tried to to put it into sports because of this uh, propaganda thing. And uh, after the change in 89, uh, there was actually no money uh, for for sports. So this is why it took almost 30 years for us to be competitive 
with other teams in soccer, in volleyball, in handball. When you, when you, when you watch now uh, the sport, of course, not, not baseball or, or uh, American football, because I don't know whether we have... Oh, no, yes, we do have uh, uh, some teams of American football in Poland, but it is like darts for us. I mean, nobody plays it. And, uh, but uh, among, the, among those sports that are popular all over the world, uh, we are in the top 10. I mean, the, 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 the soccer now, I think we are, now we are some, I don't know, 12th or 13th, but uh, two years ago, we were, we were like in the world. Volleyball, we are the world champions. Handball, I think we are I think like 6th or 7th. So, and this is why this money started coming to, to, to sports like 10, 15 years ago. And this is, uh, yeah, going better and better now. You are a, um, you mentioned that where you grew up uh, didn't really have a, a first division, top division soccer team. Um, and that now you are a Legia Warsaw fan. Uh, how did you come to support Legia and, uh, and how, how much of a part of your life is it now? Well, actually, it is a lot, <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, living in Wotswalek meant having no really, really good team to support or to identificate with. Uh, and it was uh, some luck, luck in my heart, you know, and I was waiting, actually go, going to, to, to Warsaw, living in Warsaw, just having a great team to support. So it, 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 it wasn't a process. It was the, sec the second day I came here with my backpack and uh, I, I, I just knew I would be a, a big fan of, of, of this team and I am. Did you yeah, remember... 25 years now. Do you remember the first game you ever went to? Uh, yes, I remember. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, uh, it was the game against uh, Wisła Płock uh, which is uh, nowadays they are still keeping between the first uh, league uh, and the second one. Some, some, sometimes there, sometimes here. And uh, I remember I didn't see one, even one of two goals that we uh, we beat because uh, at first it was the uh, almost the, the the finish of the first half. And we decided with a friend of mine, we decided to go find some uh, some sausages uh, to eat during the break. And we wanted to be a bit, you know, uh, earlier than everybody. And when we went out from from uh, from the the, the 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 audience, they beat one the first goal. <laughs> and so we didn't see it. And I couldn't. They, uh, we we didn't have any, you know. Uh, smartphones then, so we couldn't see, you know, the replay and everything. No, no, nothing. Okay, so we spent the second half. It was like three, two, three minutes to to the end of the game. We won one one nil. So I said, okay, so let's let's get out of the stadium before everybody rushes out. And uh, as uh, and at the second we we left the audience, they beat the second goal. So <laughs> so my first. <laughs> So my first game was 2-0 for, for Legia Warsaw, which I didn't see even one of those goals. 
Can you explain to people for people if you can what the atmosphere is like? I mean, Legia and Polish football in general, and there's a dark side to this as well, but are known for atmos the atmosphere and the passion of the fans. What is it like, as best you can describe it, to be at a Legia, Legia game um, in the Polish Army Stadium? Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, comparable to to uh, to English fans. To, to, to find uh, I, I think I think to to Liverpool FC uh, the, the 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 atmosphere is comparable the stadium is three times uh, smaller but it's pretty pretty large and pretty beautiful beautiful comparing to other Polish stadiums so uh, we are very proud of it and uh, we have a lot of extras uh, of uh, uh, ultras. I mean, really, really lots of it's like one quarter of the whole stadium are, are simply ultras. It was 10, 15 years ago, it was even dangerous. Now, not anymore, not anymore. But uh, but everybody who comes to, 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 to watch or to play against us, uh, and it's like, you know, beating the champion all the time. So the, 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 the games in Warsaw Stadium, are the best of the best in Polish league, which is not very, you know, very good. It's not even comparable to, I don't know, Greek or Turkish league. But uh, anyway, but the atmosphere is like, you know, uh, defending the the belt every single week. And this is why it, it, it's, so, it's so thrilling to be there. You mentioned that it has in the past been a little bit dangerous. Polish uh, soccer has a reputation for hooliganism. Um, do oh, you, yes. Do you, where do you think that, um, what is it about the culture of football in Poland that leads to this hooliganism and violence around soccer? Uh, well, I think, I think uh, during this, this 80s, uh, yes, this, the soccer was the only thing we had. The only thing we had in our, let's say, in our hearts, I mean, as a nation. And, but what, what is more important, I think, is uh, where it, was, it was the only thing we had in common as a nation. Uh, after the changes, many, many, many people uh, started looking for something else. I mean, starting for money, to, to, you know, to look for money, for good job, for, I don't know, foreign excursions. Etc. Etc. And uh, people that didn't succeed in these new conditions, uh, they had just this uh, soccer left, and um, soccer became um, the sport for poor guys, for unsuccessful. I, I don't know how to say even for the guys that uh, that uh, are not top, the cream of the cream of, of this nation. And I think they felt like this, and this is why it uh, it mm, it burst in anger. Uh, but well, it, not, not anymore. Not, not anymore. I can I can go with my children to to the stadium without uh, any fears. Maybe they 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 listen to some bad words mm. from the audience, and that's it. Has being a father changed you as a sports fan at all? Hmm. Well, at the uh, at the very beginning, I just uh, ceased going to to the stadium because I wanted to stay at home. I work a lot, so so I I didn't have enough time for my kids. So I, when there was even uh, a game, 
uh, even in Warsaw, I I rather stayed at home with my wife, who's uh, fun too. This is uh, much easier for me uh, to, to to watch the soccer at home. On the other hand, since she is a fan, it's not that easy for me to go away to to meet some guys, some friends in a pub or wherever, because she wants to go with me because she also is a fan. So this is not very easy. But uh, as for the children, yeah, I I see uh, going to the stadium for a few years, waiting until my my children will be grown enough to 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 to, to go with me. You're also a big. And volley- now we go together. You, you go together now, yeah. They're they're mm-hmm. big fans of Legia. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. It's, it's obvious. <laughs> um, you're also a big volleyball fan. Volleyball is a, a big sport in Poland, as you said. They're the world champions, I believe. Um, how how mm-hmm. much coverage does volleyball get in Poland, and and what team do you support, and how is that different than your soccer fandom? Mm-hmm. Well, our national team uh, games gather like sixty thousand people, uh, which is even not possible all over the world because they are usually held in. Uh, the games are held in uh, under the roof, so it's like twenty twenty five thousand top. But uh, we have a national stadium that is uh, the capacity of six thousand people, and sometimes we we play volleyball on the on the soccer stadium, which is incredible. Wow! Um, yeah, so it was. I, I think it was. Yeah, it, well, it's, this stadium is like uh, comparable to the Toronto Stadium. Uh-huh. I mean, there is the, the moving roof, so uh, so it wasn't actually outdoor per se, but uh, but uh, yeah, but it was on the on the soccer stadium, yeah, in the large one. Uh, so it's uh, it's, it's, it's it's really really popular, and the, the difference is uh, in the um, culture state or how to say. Um, uh, between the soccer uh, fans, uh, this hooligan stuff and all, uh, and, uh, and the volleyball fans, incredibly. I, I think I, I think we can we can compare it to to the, the tennis uh, supporters. I mean, it's, they are very very funny. They are very cheerful. Maybe this is not comparable to the tennis uh, fans, but uh, they're cheerful. But they are very very friendly uh, maybe when we play against uh, iran this is the only moment when when you know this uh, friendship between teams and the supporters is not that obvious but uh, but uh, i think this is this is the only place it's, it, it, it's not so 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 nice and uh comparing to uh, or comparable to to this uh my childhood time when I when I was actually lacking the the, the team to support uh, in my hometown, I had the same in Warsaw because uh, we had some team that was well like I don't know 50s maybe uh, it was the second league or the third league and it was you know not very very funny to or, or nice to go there and support them but it changed two or three years ago. Uh, when uh, the the Onico Warsaw came to life, and now I think we are the second champions, uh, the, yeah, the vice champion of of of, of, uh, of 
Poland. And uh, yeah, it's uh, even in this sport now. It's it's uh, you, you can be proud of being you know uh, the Warsaw fan. And uh, yeah, we had uh, Stefan Antica for for three years uh, as the, as the manager of the team. He is one of the best in the world. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be going all around Europe with this team. Andre Nieman is the director of the Teatro Quadrat in Warsaw. He's also an actor and a producer. Uh, turns out he's an equestrian. Uh, and we really appreciate, Andre, you taking some time to talk to us today. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Uh, equestrian was not where I saw that interview going, I have to say, and I was woefully unprepared, offering pretty much all I know about it, which is that it's a really expensive sport to take part in. I do want to make one point about our discussion of Legio Warsaw and Polish uh, soccer in general, and that is that Andre seemed to feel that the problem of hooliganism was waning, which may be, probably is true in terms of fan violence in stadiums and feeling safe uh, in a Polish football ground, but there are still a lot of issues around Polish football that are troubling. At a match on March 1st of this year, Legia Ultras unfurled a banner, the contents of which I will not repeat here, but that was very hostile, uh, to say the least, to the LGBT community. The club issued a statement denouncing the banner, saying that the stadium is, quote, an arena of sports competition whose fundamental value is respect. It is also one of the most important values of our club. More recently, a gay pride parade uh, in a city in eastern Poland called Bialystok uh, turned violent. And according to most reports, football hooligans, while not the only people taking part in the violence, were at the center of it, hurling abuse and even worse bricks and stones at marchers. Dozens were injured. A 14-year-old boy was severely beaten. And this is all part of a larger issue um, going on in the country which has been ruled by, uh, for the last several years, by a right-wing government, which has used language that encourages this sort of hatred of gays, lesbians, and transgender people, uh, viewing it as a sign of some sort of Western decadence. Having read that, I thought it was important to get back in touch with Andre and ask him about both the anti-LGBT ultras within his own club and the larger issue of football fans, or hooligans, being at the center of these very destructive trends. Here's what he said. This is really complicated. I mean, we have two kind of people uh, nowadays in, in Poland. Uh, the liberated, let's say, and, and very, very ultra-Catholic. And uh, the gap between those, uh, uh, those groups, are the gap is getting bigger and bigger, especially that uh, the, the future, and not future, but uh, the nowadays government, present government, they... Uh, they want this gap because it, it helps them getting votes, and uh, and they started using the hooligans also uh, to, uh, to to fight with the with the left uh, side of, of the society, um, and they're using it very very uh, how to say uh, eagerly because uh, you know you, you have to uh, the background is uh, the history of, of of our nation actually. Because in uh, in 1945, where when everybody was celebrating, uh, you know, the winning of war of the war, uh, our partisans stayed in the woods because we just uh, we we just changed the enemy. We had the the Germans, Nazi Germans first, 
and uh, in 1945, uh, the, the, the Soviets came and they started killing Polish Polish partisans, Polish soldiers. And they are now called uh, accursed soldiers, and they were they, they had been killed uh, for five or four years uh, in the in the woods, in in the in prisons, etc., etc. And now I don't know how I don't know. How, how it could even happen, but those hooligans, those those ultras, they they think they are straight ancestors of those cursed soldiers. This is incredibly stupid, but it is so. And they think they they are the most patriotic wing of of, of the whole nation, uh, and they are ready to go, you know, to to uh, to take a bat and go, I don't know, killing Russians or whatever, and. Um, as for the LGBT uh, people, uh, they think, I mean, the, the, the ultras, uh, the hooligans, the, the, they, they, they think they're useless, you know, uh, at the war because they're weak, because they're, they, they're rather supposed to, I don't know, neat uh, in front of the TV, set, and, uh, and they are useless uh, for, for this strong and, and uh, <laughs> war-winning nation. And this is uh, such a rubbish. But this, uh, this is what what our government tell them. Of, of course, not officially, because it's uh, uh, it's even in Poland it's forbidden. But uh, unofficially, it's always this poison that is uh, you know put in this uh, stu- already stupid mind. And uh, and yeah, and I, I think this is uh, uh, the main reason. I mean, Polish. Hooligan must be very, very, you know, masculine. He must be a, a patriot. He has to uh, wear uh, the, the the symbols from uh, from resistance in 1940s in uh, in Poland and, and all this stuff. They're, they're still combining, uh, supporting uh, football teams with the the tradition of of, of cursed soldiers. And I think I, I think this is the main reason why they are so proud of of hating LGBT people. What's the what's the difference between the people, let's say, that are I'm assuming on on maybe on closer to your opinion of it and the ultras? Is it education? Is it economics? Um, what separates people who are more open to these things to to people who are different yeah, I think than economics? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, economics and, and, and education are combined. As we all know, uh, so uh, so I and, and uh, this uh, this uh, cursed soldiers tradition gives them pride. Uh, I mean, those those, those guys who uh, who would be nothing or nobody without his team, to, their, their teams to support, and the hatred they they wear on their, their shirts, and they. Uh, it's something that that combines all those uh, all those groups. That it's uh, you know it's uh, the postulant of 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 their pride. Uh, yeah, and the half of the of, of the of the people in in Bialystok, uh, half of the people that attacked uh, this uh, this uh, LGBT uh, people, they were wearing uh, the shirts of of uh, local uh, team. Jagiellonia Białystok, and they, are very, they were very proud of it. We are Jagiellonians. We are. We want to kill the the, the gays, and it was 
it was obvious for them that uh, that the supporters of Jagiellonia Białystok must hate weak people. I think this is, and they say, and they try to persuade all uh, all the uh, uneducated uh, people in Poland that that gays are dangerous, that they are teaching. Uh, gay ship, I don't know how to call it, uh, to our children, that they, they kidnap children. Uh, even sometimes I, I, I hear uh, the, the cars with, uh, with loudspeakers on our streets, and they say, from, uh, from these cars, they say that in, in Italy there was a huge uh, mob uh, kidnapping children to sell to, the, to, to, uh, to the gay uh, marriages and everything. It's uh, this is what's happening here is unbelievable. I, I mean, really, believe me. When uh, I would never imagine that in Poland in 19 uh, after 1989 uh, we will have such such pictures uh, like you know comparable to to Nuremberg uh, 1920s, uh, especially during our Independence Day. It's it, it should be an Independence Day, and people are afraid to go, uh, you know, to go on streets, because the streets belong to the hooligans on on October the 11th. What do you think the the role of the club? I mean, it, like you mentioned, Italy and Italy has a lot of ultra clubs as well, and those ultra clubs have a lot of power. They also can be very racist and very. Um, and very uh, not open to LGBT people. And the clubs tend to, they don't want to make them angry because they have a lot of power. They make up a huge part of their fan base and they have a lot of power. What should the club, I mean, Legia, when this happened at the Polish Army Stadium, they they issued a statement denouncing it. Um, but should they be doing more to try to stop it? It's really, it's really difficult now. It's really difficult to do anything because... Uh, because when you, when you have uh, the hooligans and uh, uh, the club above them and the Polish uh, country uh, or the Polish government above all of all of us, when when they are you know uh, together, I mean the the non-democratic government is together with the hooligans. Nobody can touch them. And now it's uh, happening in Poland. So we have just to go voting on. Uh, in October, and you know, save the nation from 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 those guys. And this is, this, I think this is the only the only way to 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 you know to untie this uh, this clinch. What do you have any sense of what will happen in the election? Um, could they be vote? Could the conservatives be voted out, or the right wing be voted out? You think? I'm afraid they they can win again, and this is what's really disturbing me now. But we'll do everything to to, uh, to stop them uh, because I think they should be you know behind bars more, more most of them. Uh, I I don't know what what's going to happen. I was I was in London when uh, I don't know a month ago yeah a month ago when the Pride parade was uh, was held in London I was actually uh, next to all those happy people. Uh, I even put something in my uh, in my uh, Facebook, which I, I I don't use Facebook, but I was so proud proud to be there that I put it into my Facebook, and I already got some some posts that uh, uh, if you want uh, 
gays all around you, it's your choice, but don't tell us to, no, to stick around them, something like that. And, uh, and the education won't, won't change. The, edu the education line won't change. When this government uh, is on top, it's impossible. Wish we could have ended on a more upbeat note there, but regardless, many thanks to Andre for agreeing to do what amounted to a second interview. I think we talked for another eight or nine minutes there. And for being so open and thoughtful about what's going on in Poland right now. It's sad, but as I said to him as we were getting off the phone, the, the Polish people are not alone. It's happening in other places in Europe, like Hungary, Italy, and even the UK, not to mention here in the United States, where these people maybe are still a little less bold in the language they use or the actions they take, in public at least. But these same forces are at work on this side of the Atlantic, and they are getting more, not less powerful, unfortunately. As usual, there's plenty of scholarly work on Polish fandom. There's a sociologist at the University of Gdansk named Radoslav Kozakowski, who's written countless journal articles about female fandom in Poland, um, on uh, Poland co-hosting Euro 2012, and one that looks particularly interesting, especially in light of Andrzej's fascinating insights on the cursed soldiers and that part of Polish history's connection to hooliganism and the far-right movement. It's called From Communist Fan Clubs to Professional Hooligans, A History of Polish Fandom as a Social Process. I'll put a link to him and his work in the show notes. Remember, you can always get a hold of me on social media, Twitter and Instagram are at Study of Sport, and my website is studyofsport.com. See you next time.